0: Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self at the same time. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and nutrition, and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you, and I know that you're in exactly the right place to turn that ship around and build a body you love inside and out. So let's go. Welcome back, everyone, to another guest episode. Today, I have with me fellow female online coach, Andy Gledhill. A warm welcome to you, Andy, and thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. It's it's great to have a chat. Uh, With your new hair colour as well, which is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Embracing lockdown life here in Canberra.
0: I'm... um, for anyone who who isn't um watching us, Andy has got—is it red or pink, Andy? It's bright pink. Yeah, yeah. Um, the things you can get away with in lockdown, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, Andy, to kick us off, you know, we were just having a conversation off air, like almost getting into the weeds of things, um, and I thought we should hit record, but um just for anyone who hasn't come across you on the socials yet can you tell us a little bit about like even going way back because I know you've been in the industry for years um I guess a bit about your story right from day dot coming into the industry
1: Mm. so I actually haven't been a coach or a personal trainer for that long I, I only got my qualifications about two years ago and um But I have been involved in fitness and gyms and this space since I was about 15. Very much uh, athletics when I was uh, in high school and always involved in some sort of sporting pursuit. Um, In my 20s, I sort of delved down the Les Mills Cardio Bunny kind of path, Uh, you know, back to back Les Mills RPM followed by body pump. that was the life and through that um and so i'm 42 so this is going back to the early 2000s kind of late 90s we're talking here um and there was a girl who used to teach body pump actually she taught body combat which was my favorite um and she was like amazing she had everything that i wanted to be in terms of body, like she was a figure competitor, and she's what really inter, inter, um, introduced me to that whole world. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have said I was friends with her. She was the kind of instructor who would you come in, teach her class, and leave. But there was a number of people that I was friends with at the gym who were involved in that figure competitor sort of space um, in the old IMBA and A- 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 I think it was, um, so IMBA has now become ICN, I believe, but um, in the old days, <laughs> when it was IMBA, um, and I sort of started going down that path of wanting to compete, and you know, living that lifestyle, and I thought I was doing all the right things, I was training, I was Eating what I thought was to be the right things, which at the time was chicken and broccoli, and um, I I was just enamored, I guess, by these these friends of mine, these women who would, you know, get up on this stage and look amazing. And I I sort of set wheels in motion to compete, but I never competed. Mm. It always got to the point where I decided I I wasn't the type of person who could do that. So there was lots of stories going on in my mind about not good enough, not being able to get lean enough, not being muscular enough, not having the right hair color, not having enough boobs, um, not having the right look for that kind of thing, and so I never did it, um, and and so I I got sick of myself making these intentions to go down this path and not following through and so I I thought you know what I'm just going to walk away from that space and I I started running doing marathons because I thought you know what that's a performance-based goal it's very tangible I either do it or I don't and I can set myself targets within that space that isn't so subjective and doesn't require me to diet down like a crazy person which at the time I didn't I really didn't have any idea of just, you know, ha- how, how dedicated I need to be and all of the life sacrifices that I needed to make. And I look back now and I realise that I wasn't actually willing to make those changes and to make those sacrifices, but um, that came a lot later, that learning. Um, and so then when I was in my, so that was in my 20s and that sort of took me into my late late 20s, early 30s and I, I fell pregnant with my first child who is now 12. Um, when I was 29, about three weeks after I'd just completed my second half marathon, I was probably the fittest I've ever been. And, um, he came along at a time when we weren't really planning on having kids right then and there. Um, but babies come at the time when they're ready, I believe. So, um, we went with it and, um, and very quickly had another, so I never really got back to a good level of fitness between the two. There's two years and two months in between them um, but in that time frame, i not not wasn't diagnosed with postnatal depression, but discovered that I had um, quite severe anxiety and was put on medication for that anxiety and um, realized that. Not exercising made my anxiety much worse, even with the medication. And so, and and exercise started becoming something that I used to manage my life and my world. And at that time, it was still running. I tried to get back into the gym, but the baby really wasn't that keen on childcare and seeing his mother through the window and um, of the childcare at the gym. So, uh, the gym was not particularly successful for me at that time but I could get up in the morning and go running and be back before anybody woke up so that was what I really focused on for probably the next five years until my second child was about five or six Um, and around then I had a foot injury and um, I had a stress fracture and I, I tried all of the things I tried the cortisone injections I tried Uh, the podiatrist I tried orthotics I tried you know all of all of the things that the doctors and everybody told me would fix it didn't fix it and it took about two years to um, get back to some level of fitness and in the end it took me getting really frustrated because I was like well I can't do anything so what am I going to do I'm feeling really unfit I'm feeling quite overweight And I wasn't happy with where I was at. So I bit the bullet and and got a personal trainer, which for me was actually taking a step back because I was like, I know what to do in the gym. I've been going to gyms for 20 years. Why should I get a personal trainer? But the reason I went down that path at that time was because I realized that I needed the confidence of somebody else to step back into that space where I was happy and comfortable with training in a way that wasn't going to aggravate my injury and I needed to put that um, put that into the hands of somebody else so that I didn't have to think about it and that was probably the catalyst that plus uh, in the same year obviously I was in this space of trying to take back control over my health and one of the other things that I'd noticed that was really triggering to my anxiety drinking alcohol and so I had made this commitment to myself to have a year, just one year at that time of no alcohol and um, in, around the same time when I got the personal trainer. And one thing sort of led to the other. The first three months of no alcohol were really hard, but that was also the first three months of him in my ear going, we're not doing cheat meals. This is how we eat from now on. Um, you, you show up in the gym even when I'm not here with you um you know all of these things and I must have just been in the right space mindset wise I was it was the right time I had the right level of readiness to begin to take back control over my health and my well-being and so that was very transformative and um I lost a lot of weight um very little cardio a lot of heavy lifting he introduced me to squats deadlifts not so much bench at that time but squats and squats and deadlifts. And I fell in love. I fell in love with lifting more so than I had ever before. I used to like lifting, but I'd never experienced it like this because I fell in love with being able to put more and more weight on the bar. And um, by the end of that year, I'd sort of lost so much weight that I'd sort of come to a decision of, well, do I go down the bodybuilding path now? Because, Hey, I, I look better than I've ever looked before. I've got all this muscle now and I could do this now, but I still was too scared. Um, and so I thought I'm going to try powerlifting. And I, I went down the powerlifting path and anybody who knows me or follows my Instagram will know that, that is most definitely the path that I fell in love with. Um, and so I've been competing in powerlifting ever since. Um, I, have the records for my class, weight class and, and whatnot here in the ACT for the Australian Powerlifting Union. And I I love it because it's a sport that you can never really outgrow. Um, you can always get stronger, there's always more weight to put on the bar and it teaches you so much. And I think that um in that process of of stopping drinking alcohol, starting to prioritize myself and my wellbeing, um, starting to prioritize how I choose to shift my time to make space for training um I learned a lot about myself um and that was when I sort of gained the confidence to go you know what I'm gonna do that thing that I should have done when I was 20 and go and do my personal training qualifications Um, and now I I just love helping other women get to that same point so helping people to work through their 30s into their early 40s in a way that is um nurturing to their well-being nurturing to their health and isn't punishing so they're not spending hours running on a treadmill to try and lose weight they're actually doing things that are efficient for their time that they have available acknowledging that they have busy lives but that exercise and health is still a priority because they themselves are are people and they're separate from the people in their lives if that makes sense
0: absolutely it's it's so clear then why we've resonated on the socials and found each other on there um just given that you know I really value the things that you've just spoken about as well and it's interesting although you know our journeys are a little bit different there is some similarities there you know I started off with the the all of the classes as well I was doing the chicken and broccoli I was very enamored from those you know the physique competitors looks I also Uh, did a marathon I was very into running at one point um a little bit of powerlifting on my end nothing to write home about but it's we've had a bit of a similar a similar um similar experiences Andy I think um one of the questions I had because there's so many things coming out of that but one of the questions I had was um do you remember what year it was when you did sign up with your that PT for the first time
1: yeah it was 2000 and um 18 I believe okay yeah oh maybe 2019 2019 yeah Uh, it was either 2018 or 2019 because um in the January of the whatever the following year was was when I did my first powerlifting competition so it's only been about I look back at my Instagram sort of, you know, the, the very early selfies because I was really self-conscious about taking gym selfies. Yeah. I was a 39-year-old woman. Um, who was I to stand there and look in the mirror and take a photo? That was literally what went through my head at the time. Um, I was not wearing your gym shark scrunch bum. They didn't exist then, but... Um, <laughs> I still won't, in fact, wear those clothes. Um, <laughs> um, but I did not feel like I was a good fit for the space that I was trying to inhabit. You know, there's all these really young, beautiful girls. Um, and I, even though I have these goals for myself, I, I was sort of outside of that, um, norm, so to speak of what fitness is in, in the world or portrayed to be in the world. And, um, I was trying to find my my tribe, I suppose. Yeah,
0: I hear you. It sounds actually like a pretty damn quick turnaround from that. And I know you've been training for a long time, you know, doing various sorts of things, but to you know hitting some pretty good um, weight uh, weight lifted in terms of your powerlifting achievements. Um, so can you? I actually really interested in you know your powerlifting preps um and sort of any of the mindset challenges like did you face the same challenges did you have the same stories running through your head that you did with you know back in the day with or I can't compete in bodybuilding because I don't look like xyz did you have similar stories with powerlifting or not
1: no never um and I think that comes back to my experience in competitive sports growing up because when it comes to performance I'm, a, you know, I'm able to bring it because I'm I'm training for an event on a day that has a performance outcome that is tangible and measurable, and I have a goal in my mind of what I would like to achieve, um, and I realize that there's always going to be things that are outside of my control, so I still have to show up and put in the work, and I guess that's one of the key things about coaching that. I connect a lot with is that it doesn't matter what my coach puts down on paper, if I don't turn up and put in that work, that won't come to fruition, regardless of of anything else. You know, the coach can't do the work for me. He can't show up and put in the effort. And I can go and lift the weights, but if I'm not putting in the effort behind it, then I'm not going to get the result that I want. And I think what kept, kept me coming back to powerlifting was it's a it's a it's an absolute high like the 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 event the the way it runs the the energy I remember going to watch Palestine competition actually at one of the gyms here and um before I before I signed up and made a commitment to a coach and um I've still got the same coach actually so so he he goes all right it's it's been three years now but um he was competing at this competition. I remember sitting in the audience and I'm this like little meek, naive sort of 39 year old woman. And there's all of these big burly tattooed fellows with beards and there's heavy metal music blaring and there's people sniffing stuff and chalk everywhere. And I'm like, I don't know if this is for me. (laughs) Um, But then I, I sort of did it anyway. And I think, that's one of the things that's really come out of this whole journey for me is that you know what it doesn't matter how scary and um out there it seems if it's something that you think that you might want to have a cracker then go and have a crack um and and keep trying keep putting in the effort and it's the same with picking up a heavy bar you know like just because you can't pick up the 80 kilos today doesn't mean that you can't come back and try again next week and the week after and the week after and keep refining and keep making improvements. And um interestingly, I have shifted a lot of my thinking around how I apply the way that I come to training and the way that I come to lifting to life more broadly. Um, and it's, it's really sort of helped me grow as a person um, because you're always challenging yourself. Um, you're you're, you're organising yourself because you've made it a priority because you value it so highly. Um, and for me, going to the gym isn't just about going to train. It's about going to have time to myself. Sometimes I will just go and lie on the floor in the stretching room and have my headphones on. And obviously, sometimes I'm like visualizing stuff pre-competition and that kind of thing. But um, it's a space that is like a zone for me. It's where I can be me before I had children. It's 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 just that place. Um, and and I guess community plays a role too because the more you get involved in a sport like powerlifting or bodybuilding, too, in some places the more you get to know people. And where I live in Canberra, it's very small. Everybody knows everybody. Um, I worked at a powerlifting gym for a little while. And, um, you know, everybody supports everybody, regardless of what federation you compete in. We're all out there to build strength and to improve ourselves. And at the end of the day, what more could you ask for?
0: Yeah. I want to come back to, you know, the idea that, powerlifting might be a bit out there, your experience of going to a um a meet and seeing, you know, the environment and it being, you know, pretty hectic. I think that, you know, a lot of women are under the impression that I, you know, I quote unquote, I'm not strong enough to do a powerlifting meet, or I'm, I'm not going to have the numbers. And and I think a big part of this is a little bit with social media, seeing the you know top 1%ers percenters in the world, you know, um, very visibly on socials posting their numbers, right? But you know, uh, I've coached a fair few, fair few women to novice meets, their first their first meets, and they don't realise that the numbers that they're repping in the gym for, you know, six to eight reps there are women, there are, you know, novice lifters um, doing that for their, you know, final attempt on a platform somewhere. And it's like, you don't have to be Herculean to jump on a novice platform. And I think one of the things with powerlifting, and this is just a a generalization from my own personal experience, so it won't be everyone's experience, but um, I did find, you know, the community and the support at a powerlifting meet, especially for, you know, first timers, but I, I think this goes across the board there's just so much community everyone is cheering everyone is cheering you on to you know for your all of your attempts it's such a it's such an amazing place to be. But I think yeah, one of the most important things is if, you know, you, you're listening to this, maybe you're interested in powerlifting, maybe it, it does sort of take your fancy. It's like the the bar is probably a lot, no pun intended, the bar is probably a lot lower than you think for, you know, jumping into a powerlifting minute. It's like, you know, are you, can you safely fail a squat? Can you safely fail a bench? All of those sorts of things. And knowing that on the day the spot is there but you know how to safely do those things uh and if if you do you know you're going to be you're going to be in a pretty good spot to have a crack at it
1: Mm. for me it's about having people set goals that are a little bit scary so there's something that they think they can do but they're not a hundred percent sure that they can but it's just that little bit of a stretch into a goal and so you know you might have hit 95 kilos in the gym you think you might be able to get 100 but you're just not sure but you want to have that little bit of a reach that reason to try and challenge yourself that little bit further so that you can be proud of what you've achieved and that's that's the reason why I really love similarly to you encouraging people who are new To squat, bench, and deadlift. To go and have a have a go at an out novice powerlifting competition because nobody is going to judge you if you're standing there and showing up. Everybody is cheering for you. It does not matter what numbers are on the bar. I have seen somebody squat like thirty kilos. um, Bench press the bar like if you are showing up, then you are doing what is what you're there for and you're doing this for you and the reasons that you're there are for you. And that's the thing that I absolutely love most about powerlifting is it is not about anybody else. The only competition is yourself. So when I go to comp now, I don't care who else is there. Like I was supposed to go to nationals this year for um, APU. Clearly nationals is not happening, but um I was worried for a while there that I was going to not, you know, not not be good enough for the nationals because I know what some of the girls in my weight class and my age category lift. But then I decided that it didn't matter what I was going to go and lift because the point was to go and lift, not to go and lift and win. Because at the end of the day, I'm there to beat my last best, which – is still amazing. And I think that that's the thing with lifting heavy things is that you can only lift what you can lift. You can't make it go any quicker. You can't make it, um, you you know, you have to show up, you have to put in the reps, you have to put in the consistency and you will get better. But a really good example is my bench press. I know, bench is my worst lift. I know girls that weigh 20 kilos less than me that bench 30 plus kilos more than me. And my bench is like 55. I started my first competition. My bench was 50 three years ago. So in three years, my bench has improved five kilos and anybody would think, well, why do you keep persisting? I keep persisting for that reason because if you don't keep trying, you're never going to get better. So, you know, it doesn't matter that my bench is very slow to grow. We continue, we continue working on that because my, my deadlift has grown by, um, my 35 kilos. My deadlift has, has my deadlift total has improved by, um, my squat has improved by 15 kilos. So, you know, and that's still not massive numbers, but as you get, as, as you spend more time lifting and start hitting bigger numbers, it gets harder to hit those higher end intensities. So the challenge is actually to bring the technique and to bring the precision and to be able to show up and lift with the exact same movement patterns every single time. Um, And I think that's sort of shifting into the space of of a sport that becomes quite finicky and, and people see as a bit scary and they don't want to sort of, go down that path but at the end of the day I'm still doing leg extensions I'm still doing walking lunges I'm still doing lateral raises I'm still doing all of these other things that that everyday people do in the gym as well because all of those things contribute to building the smaller muscles that help me be strong for the bigger lifts
0: yeah absolutely it's it doesn't have to be just squat bench dead all year round especially if you're being you know programmed well
1: for for that's right and I don't Um, after our state titles in March I spent eight weeks doing a bodybuilding block because I was doing a photo shoot that was the best time I've had in about a year of lifting because I got to take a step back from squat bench and deadlift and I mean I will if if anybody ever asks me what my favorite abs exercise is I will always tell them it's deadlifts but um you know Lifting compound heavy, heavy, heavy intensity, high intensity all year round is not good for your body. So, you have to have balance in all things. Um, and I'm one of the few powerlifters you'll find that still does cardio because powerlifting does not help your cardiovascular health. So, um, you know, there's, there's balance in all things. And it's about having the right approach to your overall well being and fitness because at the end of the day, that's why we started. We didn't start to become a power We started to become healthier, better versions of ourselves. And it's the weights room that called to me. Um, it might be marathon running or, or tennis for somebody else. But strength training can still improve your experience of all of those other things and improve your well-being, especially as, as you get older um, and start to experience health issues and whatnot that, that happen as a result of losing muscle mass. Mm,
0: yeah. I'm really curious, Andy, about one of the things you said where it was like, you know, just with the improvements in your bench press and, you know, um, or even, you know, showing up on the day and just powerlifting being all a competition against yourself. You know, you said it, you know, you decided it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. And, you know, you came to that conclusion. I think you said with going to nationals, you're a little bit there for a moment. They're like, well, I'm not good enough kind of thing, or maybe I won't be was there a any sort of formal mindset work you you underwent did it did the change in mindset come organically to you
1: i think that's a it's an evolution of practicing a lot of mindset a lot of self-reflection a lot of personal development work that i've been doing for the last few years anyway um but it's about embracing the process and embracing the person you become as part of the process. So in order to be able to get to the point where I could go to compete at the state championships for powerlifting, I had to go and do that novice competition in order to become the type of person who stood up on a powerlifting platform and competed. It wasn't until I'd done that that I saw myself as somebody who could do that. And then I did it again. And then same with nationals. Um, So this is the second year that nationals has been cancelled for me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, when you're putting in that much time and effort to prepare for something like a powerlifting meet, you need to know why you're there. And the why isn't about the result. The why is about the showing up and doing the work in the lead up to the result and you can't control the outcome, you can't control who shows up on the day. So you have to be able to put in the result, put in the work regardless, put in the effort anyway um, and be proud of you who are in that process of growing into that person. And the other thing that um, I really sort of came to that conclusion because of was seeing, knowing that I needed to go to nationals anyway to become to see myself as that person to have the confidence to go back next year and know what it's like to be on that nationals platform and to not feel the nerves as badly as I probably would have felt them had I not gone so it was about confidence building and shifting perspectives in order to become that type of person
0: I think you and I have had a a little bit of a back and forth in the DMs about this whole, you know, like identity and perspectives things. And I think it's just such a valuable um, thing for people to hear you say, you know, in order to get from say, A to to Z, it's not this dramatic jump. It's this step-by-step process of being the person who would do those things. So how did they start? You know, what was the very next step that they took? And I think those steps are often less glamorous, potentially smaller than people people think. And it's this, it's such an accumulation over time. And it's like, okay, so, you know, I've done it, you know, whatever a month of this sort of training you know that's going to propel me through the next month and the next month and then maybe I do say you know what I am going to take a bit of a leap I am going to you know do a photo shoot or a a novice paletting meet and then I then you see yourself differently and it's like you know looking back over years and years and years of our own evolution uh, you can just see that self-belief change you can see the self-belief confidence come and it's really just continuously building momentum but I think if anyone's sort of listening to this and feeling like perhaps they're quite far away from the goal it's looking at you know okay so what are the people who have achieved that goal like where did they start what did what did they do and you know maybe they took some um incorrect roads on the way there and you know we've all done that but you know what were the what were the successful steps that led them to where they are now because they didn't they didn't take this huge jump. It was, you know, an mm. evolution over time and, and identity, and like, oh actually, maybe I can do this, do a stretch, achieve the thing, and then you're on to the next thing. So I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the initial stretch wasn't the initial stretch for me was deciding to do that first palette competition. Like sitting there in that audience and, and watching all of the you know tattooed. And it's I I mean I have tattoos now, <laughs> but um see what happened there was a slippery slope and it's a slippery slope um but you know that's that's one of the stories that I had It's like oh people people like me don't have tattoos why not um and I started I started small band too but um (laughs) um but the it is it's, it's about getting used to the idea, getting used to this is so this is something that maybe I could do. So when I'm coaching people, one of the things that if, if they're really new to the gym or they haven't trained in a gym for a very long time, you, and you would see this all the time, they come in and they want to go gung-ho and they want to do five sessions a week, and then after three weeks they feel burnt out and they quit. Oh, I'm not a gym kind of person. But instead, if you took the approach of going – all right we're going to have maximum and minimum four sessions a week is the is what I'd love to get to but if i get to two that's okay too or even to take a step further back if I go to the gym step on the treadmill walk for five minutes turn around and leave that's enough because you need to get to that point where you start to see yourself as somebody who goes to the gym three four times a week Whatever, whatever it is that you want to see yourself as being. Um, I remember the gym where I train right now is, when we're not in lockdown, is um, a very, very powerlifty gym. And it used to be also a very bodybuildery kind of gym. Um, and it has this room which has, you know, your monoliths and deadlift platforms and all the equipment is red and it's got your old school metal dumbbells in pounds and people are scared of that room and I remember 10 years ago when I first joined this gym I joined it and went away and came back I would not go in that room I was scared witless of that room because there were big guys in there and it was sweaty and gross and I I was not going in that room now I only train in that room and I cheer the the other girls that I see going in there because it's still scary. And I think that, you know, we have this picture of gyms as being that big burly bloke, but you know what, get in there and own that space because you're only going to get comfortable with it when you step in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Andy, um, can you just run us through quickly who is the who is the main person that you coach? Where like where is your focus area at the moment in coaching? Because then I want to talk through the common limiting beliefs for that person. So who do you coach specifically?
1: So I really like working with women who have had children, but not immediately after they've had children. So they might be the kind of person who has had a child or two, maybe three or four, and um they might be starting school, their youngest might be starting school and that woman might be starting to feel like they've got a little bit more time for themselves again, that they're starting to think back to the kind of person that they were before they had children and miss that person a little bit and wanting to connect with the person that, that they were when they weren't a mom, when they weren't a CEO or a, you know, a a boss of a big organization or they, they had a little bit of themselves that they feel like they've lost. And so they're trying to find that person that they were. Um, they might've put on a fair bit of weight or they might've just be feeling really unfit and just don't know where to start. Um, and the other thing that I, I find a lot of the people that I work with are very confused by the nutrition advice um, that the internet loves to tell us is what we need to do so you know they'll come and they've like, tried paleo i've tried keto i've tried this i've tried that none of it works i diets don't work for me um and so the, the type of person who has all of these beliefs built up about what is and isn't working for them uh the type of you know i just can't lose weight i just can't put muscle on um gyms are not for me that kind of thing. I can't find the time to get to the gym. Um, they're, they're some of the, the common things that I hear from, from my clients.
0: Yeah. What would you say in terms of your approaching and, you know, when those women are coming to you and there's all of these obstacles, there's all of these limiting beliefs happening, you know, what would you say um, is your process to helping them to move through that and start to make progress and momentum and start to, you know, gain a little bit of themselves back, I guess.
1: That's really stripping it back to um, finding the things that they enjoy. Um, and what works for them in their life as their life is right now, because one of the, Actually, I really like to um, the analogy of a, a morning routine for this because you see all these internet gurus um, talking about their morning routine. I get up and I drink my lemon water and then I meditate for 10 minutes and then I'll take my dog for a walk and then I'll come back and I'll do my workout. I'm like, I don't know about you, love, but I've got two kids and a job to go to and I've got about 35 minutes to get in and out of the gym. Um if if I can even get to the gym Um, and so I it's just really unrealistic and people come along and they want they want these perfect things to all line up and they think that there's this that if they don't do it in this perfect way that's why it's not working for them it's not working for them because it's not working in their life because that thing is somebody else's life so you have to take your life and all of the challenges that are in your life look at what's there look at the time you have look at the way that you work so um I think sometimes we put some of these blocks in our own way so one of the things that I realized that I was doing that was blocking my own way or getting in my own way was I had this story that I had to do all the cooking that I had to be home for dinner to do the cooking and that that, that was part of my role as being a mother um, When I decided that I was going to pay for a personal trainer, I could only go to see him in the evenings because of school times and my husband's job and whatnot. And so in order to make that a reality, I had to go, okay, well, I'm just going to let that responsibility go for one night a week. And I literally said to my husband, you're cooking on a Wednesday night. I'm going to the gym. I won't be home until eight o'clock. I don't care what you cook. I'm not buying it. I'm not nothing. It's all up to you. And letting go of that self-imposed expectation of being all of the things and putting, giving myself that time and freedom back, um, I think helps me to make other decisions going down the track. So part of that process of coaching somebody is helping them to see where they're putting their own roadblocks up and stepping over the blocks that are in the way so it's not necessarily a quick process um and people have to be willing to make the sacrifices and take those risks about the things that they believe that they have to do or have to be um, in order to get to the point where they know what that that thing is that they really want Does that make sense it makes so much sense and
0: i think you know more often than not like you say it is really our own beliefs about what's true like you've you know you've labeled yourself as well I have to cook you know dinner for my family without realizing I guess there are a whole lot of other options available to you I'm really interested Annie because I'm imagining and you know I don't have kids I can't speak from experience but I'm sort of trying to put myself in their shoes do you ever have uh women who perhaps there's a huge level of guilt in letting go and making time for themselves
1: absolutely yeah Um, and I used to have that Um, but again it was that slow process Um, and I put put systems in place that forced me to let go of some of that guilt and actually it it replaced it with a different kind of guilt so by investing in myself as as getting uh, signing up with this personal trainer and paying for a gym membership I also had to pay to put my kids into before school care. So knowing that I was putting my kids in before school care two days a week and it was costing me money over here and I was paying for this gym membership and paying for this personal trainer, if I didn't show up and go to the gym on those days when the kids were in childcare, I wasn't valuing that investment that I'd made in myself. So yes, there was like a little bit of a a buy-off of myself in terms of financial um uh outlay and financial um I can't think of the word but you know it's yeah (laughs) it's there were consequences if I didn't show up um and I think that's something that I like to get people to think through is what's the consequence of not taking action and yes I had a very physical barrier physical Consequence that I'd set up for myself. But, you know, the consequence of not taking action might be that when you're 45, you can't walk up a set of stairs or you can't play with your kids at the park because you're too tired. Or, you know, like it's about being able to be the person that you want to be in 10, 15, 25 years, especially as you start to get older. Um, And, uh, like, if you'd said to me when I was 25 that when you're 42, you're going to start to feel tired. You're going to start to have to work harder to have the same level of fitness that you did when you were 35. I mean, even even in my early 30s, I started to notice that I couldn't eat just whatever I wanted anymore because my, like, my activity levels were not enough to support that you know, when you're 20 and you're going out dancing every night and you're running around with your friends and you're going shopping and doing a lot of activity. And as you get older, you're spending more time sitting on the floor playing with babies, drinking coffee at coffee shops with other mums and not moving as much as what you did. You, you Even sometimes people tend to shift from more active jobs into a desk job because it's easier to make chocolate child care and whatnot work and so you've gone from walking and this happened to me actually I used to work in a hospital and I would walk like 15,000 steps a day shifts into a desk job struggle to hit five some days and that everyday activity levels you have to work at that um and I think it's having all of those realizations and so when I start to work with people it's usually very basic it's usually about getting a three-week baseline of where people are at seeing what their overall activity levels are, looking at the food they're actually eating, not really making very many changes because you need to have people be able to see this is the baseline and this is where we've got to go to, this is where we've been before, and starting to make markers of incremental progress so that you can actually measure when you're seeing progress rather than going arbitrarily, well, I did this and this and this and it didn't work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I think too, like you were, you were sort of saying with, you know, the financial investment as a bit of an accountability, but, you know, I have my coach, a really big part about why I have my coach is accountability. And people might be like, what, you know, you seem to have, I get messages like this a little bit, like, man, you know, you're you're training, you're eating, you're doing all these sorts of things. And it's like, it actually doesn't really come naturally to me. Like, yes, you know, I value it and I would like to do it, but I know I've been by myself and i can do things in stretches but then i'll be like well you know works too busy and i won't do anything for two or three weeks and if i'm not accountable to to someone this is what this is what happens and i don't feel great about it but that's what happens i generally choose the quote-unquote easy way out of just sitting at the desk and you know working And it's one of the biggest reasons why, you know, I have a coach and of course, there's education component as well, which I love and, you know, being able to delegate, but accountability is a big one. And it's like, it's a, I really see it as like a a check and balance basically on me being able to live into my values. If I have a coach that I have to check in weekly, I know I need to do that. And I'm not going to want to, you know, fill out a spreadsheet that is all basically in the red. I'm not going to want to do that, you know, and so it really does help, especially through those moments in life where, you know, it's really easy to just throw the baby out with the bathwater and, you know, woe is me and engage in that sort of downward spiral thinking and doing nothing, you know. Uh, So I think, you know, whether that is financially or, you know, well, having a coach, I guess the same thing, but some form of accountability so that we are able to show up even when maybe we're down and out. I think is really, really important, especially like you said, for these you know, to be able to build these changes over time, these habits over time so that, you know, looking at, say, you know, where you were five years ago to where you were now, your baseline of health is actually heaps higher at just doing the things that now you find quite habitual.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I have, I have coaches, coaches as well. Um, I, I know how to train. I, I can I can go to the gym, I know how to train, I know what to do, I know about progressive overload, all of those things. But one of the reasons I have a coach is A, for accountability, similarly to what you just said, but two, because I don't want to have to do the thinking of all of those things. I want somebody else to do that thinking for me and then I just have to show up. It's about reducing that decision fatigue. And I think the more you've got going on in your life, The more you want to put that decision-making and the trust into somebody else to go, if you do these things, if you show up, you'll get the results that you are asking or wanting for yourself. But it's not not about just ticking the boxes. You actually have to have somebody there to show you when you're not ticking the boxes well enough. Um, In fact, last week, for the first time in such a long time, I missed training quite a bit. there's so many reasons for that. Lockdown, like time management with kids on homeschooling and my job that I do aside to personal training is very, very busy at the moment. So I had to reprioritize things a little bit. And not having any competitions or anything on on the horizon makes it easier to go, you know what, maybe it's okay this week to have a week off. But I didn't let that slide and I didn't just ignore it. I sent a message to my coach on Sunday saying, hey, look, We've had a shit week here. Sorry, and, uh, <laughs> um, and things didn't go the way that we planned. Um, but fresh start Monday. Let's go. Let's let's crack on with this coming week. Let's hit some numbers. And it's probably actually exactly what I needed right then and there at that point in time. But having that open and honest conversation, having that relationship that I built with him over the last three years and knowing that he wasn't going to tell me off, but he was also going to go, you know what? Yep. Fine. What did you do? No worries. Right. Let's crack on. Let's get back into it this week. And so it's about having somebody to drive you.
0: Yeah. And I think that's where that open and honest communication is really important because you know, I always I check in every damn week. I've been doing it for how many, I think five years I've been working with Jace now and, you know, checking in weekly with him. But I think sometimes clients get scared or, yes. you know, or, or that they're going to disappoint the coach or something like that, and, and or even embarrassed with their efforts for the week and don't check in. And, you know, I I'll throw it over to you, Andy. You know, if there's someone listening who's like, "Oh shit, that's me," you know, what would your advice or recommendations be to that person who's who's scared?
1: It's about again showing up in spite of how you feel. Same as going to the gym. You, it's they're not there to, It's not a punitive. It's not a. It's not a situation where you're there to get in trouble. Our job as coaches is to support you through whatever it is that's happened that week and help you to learn. So. By showing up and checking in, it's about being committed to the process 100%. And when you follow through with what you say that you're going to do and part of that process is checking in, then you're showing yourself that you can be the type of person who does the things that they say that they're going to do. And... um, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to say, you naughty client, you didn't do these things that we we agreed that you would do this week, now you need to go and be on the treadmill for the next two hours. No, that's stupid. Um, it's more like looking at where things didn't go well and why and making a plan to help things be better the following week. And if that might be you feel overwhelmed because there was – five sessions this week and you only had time to get to three. Let's look at your schedule for next week and go, well, will you get to five next week? So let's let's not worry about five next week. Let's let's take that bar down a notch and and work with the life that you've got. And I think that's where a lot of people really go wrong with fitness and trying to improve their overall approach to fitness is that consistency can only happen when you know what your life is doing around it. And I have got to the point now where I can prioritize my training. And I've trained my family to um, <laughs> allow me to prioritize my training. But not everybody's in that situation. Um, and I don't expect other people to train the same way that I train because I don't train powerlifters. I train people who just want to be well and fit and healthy and have a good relationship with fitness. So you know um it's it's about building that resilience and building the ability to be able to be consistent and reinforcing where you can make improvements in order to be showing up for yourself
0: yeah absolutely i agree and i think also you know As good coaches, we are reiterating to our clients over and over again that it's not an on-off switch of, you know, absolutely all or nothing that, you know, things are going to happen from time to time. And and it's a collaborative approach in terms of, you know, designing a a way to move forward for that week um, and being able to start to build momentum again through those hard times. Uh, Andy, I know that we have to cut it uh, short because um, there's a meeting that you have to go to, but I've absolutely loved uh, chatting with you today on this podcast. I think it would be so valuable for, you know, the women and even the men that we that we coach. Uh, Andy, what is your Instagram handle where people can find you?
1: It's at elevate, E-L-E-V-A-T-E underscore Andy, A-N-G-I-E um, that would be the place where I hang out the the most. Um, and yeah, definitely if, if what I've talked about is something that resonates with you, please feel free to reach out. I'm always here to have a chat and, um, you know, I post a lot of content that is very similar to what we've talked about today. Um, and, I just want I just want other people who are in a similar position to me to see that it is possible to combine a busy life with your fitness priorities and fitness goals um, and to and to change to be the person that you see yourself as being for
0: you. I love that, Andy, and I think you're just the best example for that, you know, just being able to run an online coaching business, working full-time, manage a family, um, be hitting all these amazing powerlifting records. It's just the coolest thing ever. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: No worries. Thanks, Amy.